This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for being with us on what probably is our last podcast before Thanksgiving. Now, this comes on Friday the 18th. It's because of the tender deadline. At 6 p.m., all teams had to decide whether to tender their arbitration-eligible players. The Rays, as we wrote about on our blog, originally had a 19-member arbitration class. They reduced that down to 14 and then on Friday decided to tender those 14 players. And it's something we'll chat about with the president of baseball operations for the Rays, Eric Neander, and also kind of take a a look from about 10,000 feet and get kind of an overview of where the Rays stand at this point of the offseason. In addition, on uh, earlier in the week, we didn't get to chat with all of the members uh, of the Rays organization that were added to the 40-man roster. And one of the more interesting prospects is Curtis Mead, and I chatted with him from his home country in Australia. We were able to line that up, and I think you're really going to enjoy the chat with him. Uh, but right now, time to chat with Eric Neander, president of baseball operations for the Rays on, I'm sure, what was a very busy week yeah just uh, kind of is what it is from the season being a del- bit delayed out of the gate that everything here on the backside has been and throughout the season frankly it's just been a little bit tighter than normal but uh, plenty of time to prepare and um, get ourselves in a position to make the best decisions that uh, we're able to do at this time but doesn't mean they're easy obviously the the last piece of this was the tender deadline was it fairly easy decisions in terms of the fact that you did tender all 14 arbitration eligible players because it is a sizable class for you guys yeah it is um it's 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 large in numbers but a lot of them kind of earlier in their arbitration path and all frankly just all players that we felt were um deserving of you know where what they're likely to get through the process so um Nothing particularly difficult about that. This year it was a little easier in the sense that the tender deadline was close enough to the reserve deadline that as you're adding, selecting your players to the 40-man roster, that there's not a you know multi-week delay before the tender deadline. They can get kind of awkward, and you know that was a situation a few years ago, the Hunter Renfro situation, where you know you're, you you can kind of take care of your non-tender business, so to speak, at the same time you're setting the reserve deadline. It's a lot cleaner, a lot easier in that respect, but. Um, again, still some hard decisions to make. Can you touch on, obviously, I, I don't think it was a surprise that you did not tender Ryan Yarbrough and DFA him earlier in the week, but just what he meant to the organization over the last handful of years. Yeah, I mean, um, the true professional that uh, I think the last the last two years really just struggled to kind of get himself on track. And I think some health stuff might have played a, a role in that and so on and so forth. Um, because, you know, when he's at his best, it's it, it's precision command and it's a lot of mix. It's a high level of execution. That's his game. And so I think if you're the further you might be from 100% and as you're kind of, you know, uh, dealing with things, it's a lot harder to repeat and execute. And I think that could have played a part for him. And I 
wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets himself back into a position where he was in uh, 19, 20, 21, if I'm not mistaken, those, those years there. But um, the, or 19, 20, excuse me, um, especially at even 18. So the, but I would say, you know, he's uh, a great teammate. He is someone that took the ball in any role that was asked. And uh, you guys, you know, our fans um, were certainly well aware of, um, we've, you know, Cashy ran the staff a little bit differently. The openers, the bulk guys, the flexibility that's needed. And we've talked a lot over time about buying, you know, as, as you're moving around and we're trying to find the best spot for each player to find success. Yarbs was the epitome of just someone willing to do that, you know, to that was willing to buy into whatever was needed and made the most of his opportunities. So, you know, those are those are the kind of people for us. Cashy preaches the buy-in and how fortunate we are to get it from our group. Yarbs is front and center at being asked as much as anyone and being as bought in as anyone and trusting as anyone and really can't say enough about how much that's been appreciated over time here. And hopefully that has an impact over time with the guys currently on the roster. You know, you mentioned that there weren't any real tough decisions. There are times where you guys have come to agreement right at the tender deadline on a contract for the coming year. You're a, a file and trial team, which means in January there will be a deadline to try and get all of these done without having to go to some sort of arbitration hearing. Were you close with anybody in terms of just getting a deal, or was it almost too early with the with the deadline moved up that it made it a little more difficult to do here in November? I, I think. You you know, usually just each each year, each case is uh, stands on its own. Uh, this particular year, I think, you know, had a few decisions to make about players that we were going to be able to tender, have a 40-man spot for. And beyond that, I think they were all pretty straightforward. So we treated them as such as, as we went into the tender deadline here. And the, the talk, sometimes you guys will get, you've got now five players, I think, on multi-year contracts. Was there talk about much of that now, or does most of that happen in January when you guys are closer to that deadline? Yeah, I, I think um, the, those kind of conversations, you know, last year we were able to do something with Wander in November. Um, I, I think it's a nice time of year to do it. And everyone's a little more fresh. You're not up against deadlines and timelines of opening day. Um, you're not getting ready for the season. You're not in camp and around everybody. I think there's a, I think this is a better time to just exchange thoughts and information with players and get a sense for where they are, try to help each side educate one another, you know, about what might be most important if you're going down a long-term extension path. But um, yeah, it's, it's the kind of time of year where I think it's nice to have those conversations and, and not have them be too forced or too rushed. And that's certainly something that, um, so long as we're fortunate enough to have really talented players, um, there's there's room for those conversations to, to take place across a variety of them. Speaking of where you are right now, I think I saw fan graphs had you and the Braves, and obviously there are a lot of players out in free agency that haven't decided where they're going. There are going to be a lot of moves, but they, I think they had you guys projected at the top. Um, is that surprising to you? Where do you see your group right now, and, and where do you kind of like 10,000 feet here in mid to late November see your overall group? Uh, been, a, been a busy couple weeks. I can't say I've been too close to what's out there publicly right now when you say at the top, top of what? I guess they have you and the Braves projected with the most wins for 2023 at this point with your roster right. as is. All right. All right. Go fan graphs. I like it. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, look, we, I, there, there's a, there is a confidence that, that we have in our group and it's, there, there's room for improvement. You know, I, I think winning a hundred games, scoring 800 runs, you know, nearly 200 runs more 
two years ago than last year. Like that's that speaks to just some of the underlying talent group and how quickly this could turn. Um, a little bit better fortune with our position player group going into 2023, uh, and our pitching's really good. So I think we feel we feel good about where we are, but uh, definitely not settled, definitely not complacent by any means. I, I think we've talked about that that. Um, we can't ignore what we just experienced and, and some of the feelings we had certainly down the stretch and want to do what we can to have a measured look at things, but we got to get better. Um, winning 86 games and uh, being out of the playoffs in two games and in, in one run, you know, as it turned out, like that's, that's not our standard. And, um, appreciate fan graphs for, for pointing us in that direction there with their thoughts, but we got a lot of work to do to make sure we go out and, played at that level of expectation have you gotten a sense yet is it too early to really get a sense for the trade market and free agent market at this point in time and where things are headed there or how much of it will depend upon let's say the big market names and where they end up going and what their market ends up being i think uh we'll, we'll probably gain a little more clarity right before the holiday here and then probably the week after i think will be a big one the we talked about it earlier, the compressed timeline of everything, you know, the off season, push the focus to the tender date, the reserve deadline, you know, a lot of the, the business, it's really directly focused on that. Um, I think we'll shift to, to potentially some bigger items at this point um, and, and see those things come into focus now that some of that early off season business has been settled. But the fact that the timelines have been so tight and compressed is it's, it's pushed things back a little bit in some respects, but um uh, we'll we'll see. We like I said, we got a little work to do, some things to to chase down, and uh, that should have the vast majority of our focus over the next couple of weeks going in the winter meetings. Obviously, you guys always have to be flexible uh, based on the marketplace and based on resources. But would it be fair to say that the top priorities would still be uh, improving the offense, finding ways to add either bulk uh, or further depth to your bullpen? Maybe not necessarily all in that order. Yeah, I, I think right now you, you look at where we ended the year. Glass now, McClanahan, um, Rasmussen, Springs, those four really ended strong, finished strong, and feel pretty confident saying that those are four guys that are going to have rotation spots. The fifth, we've got some really good options that are that are with us. Um, Patino, um, we've, we've checked in with him already this winter. He's he's doing everything he can to, to bounce back from a tough season last year. Uh, a season full, full of learning experiences, but um, you know, from Luis, Yanni Chirinos, what we saw at the end of the year, um, Josh Fleming, you know, we're we're staying with him. There's things that we still think can, you know, he's he's a small tweak, pitch tweak away from from taking off with the command and the sink and the strike throw that he has. Um, you know, Taj Bradley just added the 40 man. We've got some really good candidates, I think, for that fifth spot as it is. But you know, I, I think we won't be hesitant to to go out and try to bring in at least one more um, to help round out that group to, to compete with them or just to bolster our depth because we've we've lived it the last few years. It's it's tough to keep a group healthy and strong throughout the season. You need that depth and it needs to be quality depth and uh, that's something we're going to chase. Uh, and then yeah, the position player side, we've talked about it plenty. I think offensively, um, probably think that we're somewhere between our 2022 and 2021 output, you know, when it comes to just the bottom line run scoring and uh, this is a group that is tipped pretty right-handed, um, could, could use some help against right-handed pitching, I think, just in the way it's built. And uh, that's something that 
uh, we'll certainly look to to pursue and could because of the positional versatility and athleticism of the group we have I think there's a few different positions where we could accommodate that and I think we touched on it too the last thing was kind of that veteran leadership um, you've obviously had some go-to free agency KK's and Nino Manuel Margot was injured last year Corey Kluber moves on as a free agent do you have enough guys within the group that can evolve into that or do you also need um well obviously you prioritize performance but also have someone who can help the group in the clubhouse too yeah i think it's ideally you know at the end of the day we gotta prioritize i think what each you know for each roster spot that we have the 13 position play 13 pitcher um you got to prioritize talent and the people that can most positively impact you on the field. But ideally, uh, they're they're good people, they're good teammates, and they're people that have complimentary experiences. And right now, it's yeah, it's fair. I think that we it, it'd be to our benefit to have you know, a position player or two that come in that have a lot of life experience, major league experience, and can help be uh, an extension of our coaching staff and be mentors for our younger players. I think there's a lot that um, a lot of benefit to be had to that, given the way the rest of our group's built. So that's something we'll be on the lookout for. Again, we got to prioritize guys that can help us the most on the field. Um, but we care about those other things as well. Um, just if it's entirely about them, they're probably coaches more than they'll be players at that point. But uh, it would be nice to have a healthy mix in uniform that are active. And as you guys get ready for the holidays, does uh, does baseball allow for a true time off for a couple of days during the Thanksgiving holiday? Uh, I, the, the, it, we'll try our best, uh, but the the fear of missing out and you gotta you're on call at least. You know you can. I think it is important this coming week, and certainly we encourage our staff to, to take a breath, you know, to find some time to recharge. I do believe that is very, very important, not just this week, but in general. But at the same time, um, you got to be on call. You got to be ready to go because the business isn't going to stop or pause for us while we do that. Um, if things come up and take off, then, then we got to be responsive. And if that means celebrating Thanksgiving a few days later, then might have to do it but hopefully hopefully we can go about our business enjoy our families appreciate the week um and uh it's not too disruptive to the things that are more important in life well enjoy it um and uh best of luck in getting ready for uh the winter meetings too we appreciate some time and thanks for being with us on the podcast all right thanks neil it's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Well, we certainly appreciate the time of Rays President of Baseball Operations, Eric Neander, for joining us on the podcast. And as mentioned earlier in the week, the Rays added five players to the 40-man, including uh, their top position player prospect, Curtis Mead, who now joins us from Australia. Curtis, congratulations. Thanks for a few minutes. Thank you very much, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Tell me, first of all, how you got the news. Yeah, so it's funny because it was obviously the middle of day for me, the the night before, Jeff called me just because he wasn't sure if I was going to be up in the morning with the time change when the deadline was. 
Um, so I was actually working out at the gym when I got the news and I was, uh, yeah, the rest of my workout went pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> were you expecting it? Were you kind of waiting? How's this going to go? Because obviously, uh, they were, they were cognizant of the fact that you're what 15 hour time difference nearly. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say expecting it. You know, I definitely knew that I'd put my best foot forward and you know, I'd put some pressure on, on them to kind of make some moves, but, uh, obviously nothing was said in sight set in stone so it was it was really cool to get that phone call now we talked to you a couple times during the season we talked to you last season it's this is the first time in a while you've gotten back to australia on a regular basis yes yeah this is the first time in probably 20 months that i've been home what has it meant to you to be home and how much has it helped yeah it's it's been awesome you know i've been able to go out uh to my local baseball club and kind of help out the younger baseball players here um, as well as being able to train with my my winter ball team here, and they've been really good. You know, they they look after me when I come home and kind of cater for my training, and and the weather's been awesome. So it's it's made it pretty easy to train when it's been awesome weather. Now, will you stay there the the entire winter? When do you plan on coming back stateside? Uh, I think I'm about to book flights for the end of January. So I kind of want to spend a few weeks in America before I head down for spring training, just to get my body. Uh, acclimatized and stuff that certainly makes a whole lot of sense you know it, your season obviously was a very good one you went from double to triple a during the course of the year um how did you evaluate your season uh yeah i was i was pretty pleased you know i kind of similar to the year before i went to double a uh with with a good amount of confidence thinking that i could play well there um just based on how i did at the full league so for me to go to double A and, and play pretty well and get the promotion in the middle of the season was kind of the only goal I had really set my set for myself. You know, I just wanted to get to triple uh, A at some point during the season. So then when I got to triple A, you know, I was kind of expectation free um, and went up there and just, you know, I hadn't played at this level of baseball before. So I was just kind of seeing what I could do. And, you know, I was pretty happy with how I went for the month or so roughly that I was healthy in there. Um, Obviously, a little bit disappointed with the injury, but I'm I'm glad that it's not going to affect my baseball next year. And we'll get to that in a little bit. What was the biggest difference you saw, Curtis, between double and triple A pitching, and maybe just the the level of play overall? Uh, I think the bullpen in in triple A was was a touch touch better than double A. That was probably the biggest difference, as well as uh, the defense, uh, the general defense. You know, like a lot more hits were getting taken away. Uh, from the defensive players, as well as, yeah, the guys coming out of the bullpen, you know, that had big league time. Um, and they played matchups a lot more. So, you know, I was getting kind of the low slot right-handers that throw hard for the most part late in the game. So it's definitely a good challenge. And when you say bullpen, you're talking really about the velocity that you're seeing out of the bullpen or just the overall stuff? What's the biggest difference there? Uh, mainly velocity. But you definitely saw some of that in double A, but I would I would say the velocity matched with the matchup play, you know, so kind of it was a good preparation because, you know, when the game's on the line, you're going to see a, a similar profile guy in the big league. So it was definitely, definitely some good experience for me. And you mentioned the injury. I know it was what, a, either an elbow or forearm type issue. When did it start to bother you? When did you have it checked out and how are you doing now? Uh, so I got injured the week after the All-Star break. So uh, 
just kind of an overuse injury. Um, and then it kind of, then we got it checked out the next day, just precautionary being, because it was the elbow, um, a little bit of uh, UCL uh, concern. So I got it checked out, found out it was a low-level grade one UCL uh, sprain. Uh, figured we could rehab it uh, and then back to throwing in kind of four to six weeks. Uh, four weeks throwing went down, everything felt good, and then kind of transitioned to some more regular throwing, uh, like kind of game, game-like, and I kind of felt a bit of discomfort again. Um, so then decided it was best to, to get a PRP shot and just kind of rest for the rest of the season as there was only, you know, two or three weeks left. How far out are you from that PRP injection? Um, and how much, uh, and when will you start throwing again? Uh, yeah, so I, I got the PRP at the start of, uh, September. So I'm, I'm about 10 weeks out, um, I feel really good, really happy. Just started taking some swings, actually. Uh, really happy with where I'm progressing. And I think I'm uh, going to start throwing around January. So I give myself a good two two and a half months before spring training to make sure my arm's in good condition. And are they kind of, the Rays, that is, closely monitoring? Or you, do you have to kind of report to them? Or Joel Smith, who, who handles a lot of the rehab stuff? What's kind of the process with all that? Yeah, so I've been checking in with like Joel and and Marty, who's the the head of the minor leagues, um, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the physios and that sort of thing, and the the trainers. Uh, always, I speak to them about once a week just to check in and um, seeing a physio over here. So he's been in the loop with those guys as well. So it's it's been really good. Have you changed much of your training? You mentioned uh, over, you know, it's kind of an overuse injury. Are there certain things you're going to have to do differently going forward? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it would be something I'll continue to monitor um, probably for the whole next season. And, you know, I haven't been doing a ton of upper body because I've been trying to uh, not do too much grip stuff to give my forearm and my elbow a really good rest. Um so there has been a little bit of limitations, but you know, that should in the coming weeks, I should be pretty much back to full go. And you mentioned that you are taking swings. Will the Rays allow you to hit in games for Adelaide and Australia? And and how important would that be for you just to get some at bats before the spring? Yeah, I definitely think that's something, something I'd like to do. And, you know, we haven't totally had those conversations yet. Um, so it'll depend and, you know, depend on how I feel throwing mainly, you know, if I can, if I can throw pain free, then it's probably something we'll look towards doing, but I don't think it'd be something I'd do until I'm pretty happy with where my throwing's at. And I know when they, you were healthy, you were playing multiple positions. Will this in any way lead to uh, eliminating any of them or being more first third or first second? What's kind of the, the thought there, or has there been much talk? Uh, there hasn't been a ton of talk, but I'd be pretty surprised if I was uh, limited based off my elbow. You know, I think, I think with how I'm tracking and how confident the the training staff is, um, I think I should be kind of no limitations back to full go. So probably a good dose of third and second, and you know, touching first occasionally. And how much will it mean to you to go to a normal or a, a full major league spring training? I know you got in spring training games during the course of last year. Yeah, it'll be uh, super exciting to be there day one, you know, when kind of, you know, because I didn't meet everyone fully last year and there's definitely some new faces around. So to be able to kind of meet everyone on day one will be, will be awesome. <laughs> 
but then I'll uh, I'll miss part of spring training with the World Baseball Classic over in over in Japan. How much will that mean to you to represent Australia for that? And and uh, when did you get that word? Uh, yeah, so I probably found out a few weeks ago uh, in talking with the head coach uh, that I was going to be on the team involved. And, you know, it's something that I've always wanted to do is play on the men's national team. Um, so it'll be really exciting, you know. It'll be a little bit tough to live my first kind of full big league spring training, but the Rays are super excited for me to go. And I think that they recognize how high level of baseball it's going to be and how beneficial it will be uh, in my development. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to go. And I would guess, you know, from that standpoint, um, the chance to represent your country um, as a, a position player, you, I think I saw a TV report in Australia you could be the first, what, position player from Adelaide to get to the big leagues? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was just announced as, yeah, the first uh, position player who's been on the 40-man from my state. Um, so, yeah, I, I think so. Is there a certain level of pride? And, and you mentioned trying to give back to the kids and, and going back to your, your team in that area. What does all that mean to you? Yeah, it'd be pretty special, you know. I think a lot of a lot of people back in Adelaide are, are kind of cheering for me and watching me closely. Um, so it'd be pretty cool, you know, and to play in the big leagues and for them to be able to watch me, you know, day in day out playing. You know, with with the pitches, you you don't get to necessarily see them every night, but it'd be pretty cool to for them to turn on a race game at any time, and you know, I'm out there, so that would be pretty special. And then to be able to come home that following off season and celebrate would be uh would be pretty cool. And I know the Rays have some players, some minor league prospects in Perth. Will you get to see them at all during the course of the off season? Do they come to Adelaide? I didn't check the schedule. Yeah, so they come to Adelaide. Um there's two coaches there as well as as well as a bunch of players. So I'll definitely be checking in and going and you know I might even be hitting with the opposition a little bit with the coaches. <laughs> so Hopefully Adelaide aren't aren't too annoyed with me, but yeah, that'll be good. I think that's in a maybe a month or so. And where where do you want to grow the most this year, Curtis? You mentioned some of the adjustments you saw from double to triple A. Where are the areas where you think you have the most room for growth going into this coming year? Uh, I would say athletically and defensively. You know, I think I I think I play reasonable defense, but you know, I think I could really be a plus defender. Um, with a with a bunch of hard work and it's definitely something that I want to continue to work on and I think you know first and foremost the goal is just to get back healthy you know and I I want to play every game this year and I want to play as many as I can so I think they're kind of the main two goals that I've set myself at the start of the offseason to build towards for next year. Well we congratulate you on the the latest step on getting on the 40-man roster wishing you a lot of health and we also hope you have a lot of fun with uh, the Team Australia and the WBC. Awesome. Thank you very much, Neil. Appreciate it. Certainly appreciate the time of one Curtis Mead and also Eric Neander for joining us. Again, if there is any news of note, we will always have it on our blog, raceradio.mlblogs.com. Unless there is something major, I don't expect we'll have another podcast before Thanksgiving. However, uh, I've been wrong before, so we'll see how that plays out. But in all likelihood, our next podcast, unless there is breaking news, would probably come the Friday before the winter meeting, so that week after Thanksgiving. Until then, have a wonderful holiday with family, friends. Be safe, be healthy, and we will chat with you soon. 